Today on the show, we're joined by Leo Blake, creator of Metal Gear Network, the first major Metal Gear fan website, and one of the people behind Millennium Publications' Metal Gear Solid Official Mission Handbook. Hey, I'm Fingers. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. The reunion panel later. Are you going to watch that? Yeah. I mean, my expectations are extremely low. Um, well, I mean, if, people think that voice actors are going to have insider information. Well, no, I mean, of course, obviously, I don't I, I don't think they're going to reveal anything at all. But I just wonder how much of I, I'm more interested in the discussion and how it's going to go, because I've been on like I've been on a voice call with David Hader before, and he he's an interesting character. We need to get him on the show. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where if he's in the mood to talk about Metal Gear, it's usually going to be pretty good because he's a you know, he has a lot to say. But if he's not really in the mood, like there was a, a couple of years there where I felt like he was just sick of talking about Metal Gear. <laughs> and it just totally shows when he talks, you know, he's just like, no. I really rather talk about my movie Wolves coming out, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, when you're on a promo hey circuit, and everybody's like, yeah, but that one thing you did, it's like shit. Man. Yeah, I, I was, I was on, um, I was on like a little, I don't even know what you want to call it. It was like an announcement little podcast. When I don't know if you guys remember this, it was probably it was a few years back when a group supposedly got the permission from Konami to work on a Metal Gear remake. Oh, right. And, I remember that. Yeah. And so they asked me to come on and they asked David to come on and we were all going to talk about it. And um, anyways, long story short, he, he was totally down. And he wanted to talk about it for like 15 minutes. And then after that, all he wanted to do was plug his movie Wolves. And it was just, it was just so awkward. <laughs> Could you could just tell he could care less about anything but his movie at the time. So it was just interesting. <laughs> I got to get you to tell a story about David Hayter because it's it's one of my favorite stories that you have where. OK, um, back on uh, back in the day, the, the back in the the before times uh, on Metal Gear Net. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't he show up in a chat room or something like that? Yeah, he he's he's shown up. Um, I'm not exactly sure which incident you're referring to, though. Like he this was like the early, early days of the site. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember hearing you tell the story once that he showed up in a chat room and nobody thought it was him. No, actually, was that, no, that yeah, was what, someone. What, what was the deal with so, that? That was um, <laughs> that was um paramedic <laughs> so i was i had scheduled an interview with um uh oh my gosh i'm drawing a blank heather haley or haley whatever uh -huh. and um we had talked that day we had talked on the phone for like two hours she's the most absolute sweetest lady and oh yeah i've talked to her before she's awesome yeah she's just an absolute gem and um you know, we were just getting to kind of kind of getting to know each other. And because um, she was asking, you know, she didn't really know about the fan side or anything. She, you know, she obviously she knows the broad community and the fan base and all. But um, yeah, no, that was an incident where I actually got her. I made her a Twitch account and I got her to join in chat during one of the OHN marathons. When I nice. used to be when I used to be a guest streamer on there. And so um, she joined and like nobody believed her that it was her. <laughs> and and I'm and I was one of the mods at the time. And I was also one of the guest streamers. And I was just like, guys, no, this is really her. I promise you like this. She's she's obviously she's not tech savvy. She's not savvy to Twitch. And this was obviously early days of Twitch. And. <laughs> 
And it was just like, it was funny at first because chat was totally just ripping on her and just like, oh, I can't believe the fake you're, you're trying to, you're trying to bring in a fake. Per-. And I'm just like, no, this is really her guys. Can you please be nice? <laughs> and so, okay. yeah. And, uh, hold, yeah. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I distinctly remember this happening in like the nineties though, like early two thousands, late nineties time period where do you remember how metal gear net had that little web browser chat room, right? Yeah. So we had like a chat and yeah, I think there was, yeah, there was a time when David hater joined. I have a kind of a bunch of hater stories, but yeah, there, there was a time where he joined that for sure. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, that that was what I remembered was like the oh, same, okay. the, basically the same thing happened then. And like he had to send you an email or something. I don't remember it. It's been so long, but but that apparently seems to happen on the regular. Yeah, I'm not sure that one. The details this game, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was literally sitting there the other day thinking to myself. You know, the more and more the years pass on the more and more a lot of the details of these stories, I actually forget. Yeah. Just because oh, I don't, no. t- I don't talk to people about these things, right. Other than people like you. Right. Yeah. And so like, uh, I was like, Sitting I really need to porch, write this like, stuff down. I need, I, need, I, need, I need to either write this <laughs> stuff down or I just need to record myself talking about it. You need to get on the uh, internet archive <laughs> if you haven't already and just back up everything from the old sites. I know, I know. Like, it's still there, man. I remember going there the first time as a teenager. I think it was, I can't remember how old I was. I was young. Because you mm-hmm. launched that, you launched that site, what, like 1997? Uh, 96. It was a tell in 96? 96. Jeez. Yeah. So I think I showed up like a year after, and I still remember um, that picture you had on the front page. Uh, it was like a... Um, it was like a Metal Gear Solid anime rendition poster by Nobuyoshi Nishimura. And it yeah. it like I just remember that so distinctly, like, oh man, this is so cool looking. I bet this site's gonna be awesome. And then I spent the next several years being a total shitlord there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I actually it's funny because I still have all the original files for the website. You do? Of, oh, of awesome. every every iteration of the website. Yeah, I still have them. You were like the pioneer for like metal gear fan sites man like you like you're the one that started it yeah i'm old <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for calling me out yeah no i'm gonna no like it, like in all seriousness like i've i've wanted to tell you this for a while and i'm not gonna do it in a discord chat but like um i've gotten to know you a little bit over the years um mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's still a part of me that's like a little kid inside that's still a little starstruck because I was like, you know, this is the guy who made that site that I love. And like he worked on like like you worked on the Metal Gear Solid uh, Millennium Guide, which is like bar none, the gold standard for video game strategy guides to this day, in my opinion. Like nothing has come close to that. Yeah, I was really proud of that thing. Yeah, I was really proud of that thing. It was it was awesome. And then we get like the the Metal Gear Solid 2 Brady Games guide and it's just terrible. <laughs> I'm like, who did this? <laughs> I know. It's kinda and then you got the ones that come out now and they're just so they're pretty amazing now. Yeah, but... the pennyback guides are is it the, the the piggyback? Piggyback. That's yeah, it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're like hardcover and tons of art and like I think the Metal Gear Solid 4 one had like a Shinkawa lithograph in it and just cool yeah, stuff they're... like that. They're amazing. But like you were telling me uh, a while back when you guys were making the guide that there was a lot of back and forth communication with Konami, talking to Kojima, getting like answers on specific character biographies and info. And and, I mean, you even had interviews with the staff and Mm -hmm. that was not something you ever saw in guides back then. No. And and I'll be honest with you, the person who deserves a lot of credit for that is Dave Halverson. And he's at least at the time was kind of like not a liked person within gaming print media. Um, I, I, I don't know all the details, but I just know that like he, he used to tell me, he's like, I don't have a lot of fans <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, 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 you know, he, he start, he, he is, he has been like the editor in chief of a lot of gaming magazines. And um, I remember 
he told me that they were very lucky to get the contract to do the guide, the millennial guide for um, Metal Gear Solid. And when he contacted me, he was just like, I want to do this right. I want to do this right. I want to do this justice to Kojima. And he's just like, so he's like, I am asking you to help guide us in as far as like, what do you think should be in the guide? Um, what details do you think? And it was, it was pretty amazing. And I'll be honest with you. I was so young at the time. I just thought it was cool and kind of neat that I was being able to participate in such a thing. I think if like the older me would have been approached to something like that, I think I would have been losing my mind because (laughs) I didn't realize, you know, like what a big deal it was. And so the fact that all through the process of making that guide, he would share things like, you know, where we're put, he literally would, he would, he would come to me and ask me, Hey, what do you think about this detail? Like I'm talking about, I'm talking about this. He, he would give me character bios and tell me things about this. And, and I would question him. I'd be like, where the hell did you get that piece of information? Like, I don't know that. Like, where, where did you get that from, you know, Konami or, you know, the, the staff. And he's just like, um, no, I am taking some creative liberties with some things, but he's, but yes, the majority of the stuff he got from Kojima Productions. And that's funny um, because like at the KCJ time, at the time, yeah, yeah, that book was like the Bible for Metal Gear at the time. Like yeah. arguments were, were, were waged. And anytime there was a disagreement, it was like, well, this passage says that big boss was here in this year. <laughs> like, like entire arguments were held over the details of that guide. And it turns out that a lot of it, like, would you, how much would you say was, was, was sort of, uh, I don't want to say ad libbed, but, but, but how much of it was added in versus how much came from Konami? Would you say? I just remember when he was, he was doing a lot of the character bios. He did tell me he took some Dave Halverson specifically told me he took some creative liberties. Um, and it was just oddball oddities because he would send me a draft of what they were working on. And I'd be like, okay, I, that's, I don't know where, where you got that from, but where are you going with this? And so we, we'd have an email back and forth about it, but I didn't really, at the time I didn't, because I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I've never been a lore person myself. And Thank so I, <laughs> I do not really, at least I guess maybe nowadays I kind of do more, but at least back then I did not care about the details too much. So to me, I was more concerned about the other aspects of the guide, which I feel like I feel very proud of my contribution to the guide where I specifically was like, I had very specific requests. I was like, I swear to God, Dave, if you don't put a ton of Shinkawa artwork in this, I don't want any part of this. Like, I was just like, Yoji Shinkawa's artwork is like godly. I was like, you need to put a lot of that in there. And then other aspects where he actually, we actually got permission from KCJ to put in the actual 3D rendered maps of each level. And you know how they're kind of out of perspective where you can actually see them. Yeah. So that was like a, a little detail that we were very proud of to put in there and other things like that. And, and just the look and feel of the guide, um, you'll notice, though, a lot of the look and feel of the guide was very reminiscent of the magazine that they were all part of then as well. It was just kind of their style. It did and, kind and, of have a magazine yeah. touch to it. Yeah, it did. It did. And then you had the detail in the back where if you wanted to see all the secrets, you had to actually rip the page open to get yeah. into it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And just things like that, man. Yeah, that's. Um, but, but really, like for us, it was it was definitely and obviously i played such a small part such a small part that i didn't even get credit in the magazine and i didn't even care i didn't even care i was just happy to be a part of the project but um the biggest compliment because it was such a labor of love was when he told me about his one-on-one meeting with kojima and the team and then he they were they presented the guide to him and he went through it and the compliment he gave us was 
this this he's like this is the perfect guide this is even better than the famitsu japanese counterpart that they had released in japan and he and he was so pleased with it so that was like to us that was it that was like okay we got his blessing on this he said we did an awesome job and so yeah we were super proud of that yeah that's crazy high praise yeah yeah so you know as somebody who's dealt with konami directly in a lot of ways um just not just through the guide, but through the fan site. What do you make of all this uh, <laughs> hubbub about the restructure going on? They're not making games anymore. <laughs> They're gonna They're sell shutting down. Piece. Hold. Sell Konami by Doge. <laughs> Hold the line. Um, uh, been a crazy week. I've been part of this community for so long, and even. Before, even before the whole divorce between Kojima and Konami, <laughs> fans have been wanting Konami to do things that they weren't doing currently, even Kojima, right? And yeah. so that stuff, honestly, I've conditioned myself so much to just filter all of that stuff that I, it just, it literally just bounces off me and I, it doesn't, I can't, I don't even react to that stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're doing your own stuff for the most part now. Well, yeah, but I but. mean, it went, I just, you know, because I'm so inundated in that, in that, the whole fan base where, I mean, I literally get tagged in like a hundred tweets a day on things that I just don't care about or like people's opinions they feel very strongly about. And, you know, it's just the fan base is, is widely it's just there's so many different opinions, so many different yeah. feelings, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so, I, I know how I feel about it, and much I of it, think <laughs> much of it not know? informed. So what do they like? Right. Do they tag you to like validate their opinions, or, or what? Yes, a lot of times, a lot of times, wow. or they just tag me because they want me to see what they're talking about, or like, or whatever, whatever the thing is. But like. Yeah, I mean the whole thing. I I I feel like, and I feel like you you do too, Nitro. I feel like we just have a much more realistic view on things. You know, like we we always take the you know when people talk. You know, I I hear this at least a hundred times a day. I'm like, I wish Sony would buy the Metal Gear IP uh. from Konami, and I'm always just like, I'm like, do you even know what you're saying? <laughs> like, like. Like, well, like, even if let's say Konami never made a Metal Gear game again and they were only exploiting the IP for other things like mobile games or this or that or the other, do you realize that's still worth more to them than a one shot sale to any company? Like, we're yep. talking about one of the most valuable IPs, period. Yeah. So Dude. it's like it's it's not going to be a quick tra you know transact like Blue Point's going to come up to them and be like, hey, we'll give you ten dollars for the Metal Gear IP. You know, it, it just doesn't work. Sold. That way. Yeah. We got to like pump and dump Metal Gear stock. There's always and and this is sort of a, a symptom of a of a greater issue. But I always feel like I might have mentioned this before. Gamers tend to have this weird view of how like corporations or I guess development teams work. Um, both in terms like the, the example I can think of is every time you see some comment where a gamer's like or a, a player's like, hey, you know, why didn't you fix this bug? But you fixed this bug. Why can't you add this feature instead of focusing on this? And, you know, you can clearly tell they don't quite understand the software development process. And then in the context of this um, Konami email, like I get organizational change emails from my job every day. I'm a, I'm a dirty corpo, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and yet. Like, that's why when I saw this email, I made a joke, but I, 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 there was no suggestion to me that something major was going to happen. It was just another corporate organizational restructure email. Um, yeah, it but, doesn't mean anything at the consumer level. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, people took it as kind of this next big step for the Konami IPs. And, and as much as they would like to have that drama, that's just that's just not how it works, <laughs> especially when there's actual money involved yeah and that's what it is drama i mean it's a combination of people just being either misinformed or not informed uh this this need for for drama to fill you know 
their news cycle or whatever you want to call it. And there's, like we said before in the past, an element of just magical thinking to it where they think, this, right. you know, they romanticize the process and and they think it's it's more to, you know, put it how you did dramatic than it actually is. But like ugh, every single day, it's somebody's asking for the remake or pushing a remake rumor. And I'm you know, it's it's kind of a fruitless endeavor to try and stay ahead of it. It's I'm just turning into like the withered Wojak at this point where it's like, hey, honey, it's 4 a.m. time for your regular Metal Gear rumoring. And I just can't fucking take it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's like I and it's funny, too, because for a long time, too, this is pre Kojima Konami divorce. People were always talking about a Metal Gear remake, but not in the sense that they do now. They were more talking about, we'd like another remake, right? Like the Silicon Knights version or whatever, like, you know, Twin Snakes, we don't like that version. We we want another group to do it or another company to do it. And then there was always these independent indie companies that were trying to pitch their like, hey, let us do it. Let us do the remake. And I always kind of shut those down as well because I was just like, Yep. Uh, Like they always get some kind of traction with the fan base. And then I'm always just like the complete wet towel. And I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, unless Konami gives it the okay, it's not going to happen. So just give up the dream. Like, you know, know, (laughs) Konami does have um, there is a precedent in Konami. A precedent in Konami for uh, licensing out their IPs to to other developers, to American developers, even to make their games like they did with the Silent Hill series or Castlevania. So what's holding them back on Metal Gear? Are they just kind of waiting to pull the trigger? Is it just so tied up in red tape uh, still after Kojima's been gone for five years that they just don't know what to do with it? Like, it's just it's strange that they are just sitting on it. You know, it honestly is. I mean, I don't think I'm not going to get into the conspiracy mindset here and say, oh, they're just, you know, it's all. You know, it's all coming together. Look at the, you know, look at the Pepe Silva map. Like, that's not what I think. But it is strange that in five years, we've had a spinoff that started development almost at the exact same time Kojima was heading out the door. And that's it. There's really nothing else. So what's going on? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of red tape. Um, But I also think. I think they are a bit this of course this is just coming from me so don't take anything that I say as like I know something because I don't I know as much as everyone else is that I also think there it, there's a, probably a little bit of intimidation factor in there where they realize that they have this IP that everyone still talks about so much and holds so dear and they realize that it's tied to one person for the most part and that I think they realize that anything they do, I mean, survival is a great example of this. Um, anything they do with the Metal Gear IP is going to be under such scrutiny and such criticism that I just think that they're they're either waiting for the perfect opportunity, the right time, the right people, the right. And I think the fact that they don't have to rush things either is something in Konami's advantage. Yeah. Um, I think we're good if, on my, yeah. we're, we're chilling. Yeah. yeah, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Metal, yeah, we'll get to it. Maybe it, it, it kind of is as simple as they don't need to. Well, and it kind of reminds me in a way, in a way, I don't want to make a direct comparison because I know fanboys will freak out on me, but it kind of reminds me in the way of for so many years, people talked about a final fantasy seven remake. And I used to tell people all the time, just like, dude, Square will do a Final Fantasy remake when they damn ready when they're damn ready to like there's they're they're doing so they're doing fine on everything else it's not like their company is about to go under and they need an injection of cash right <laughs> which was ironically the reason for Final Fantasy right what was yeah. what was the old joke like <laughs> in case of emergency break glass for Final Fantasy 7 remake exactly Exactly. So I tell people nowadays, I'm just like, listen, Konami will do it when the time's right. The everyone on the board thinks it's going to be the right business move financially and everything else. Uh, all the ducks align and then it'll happen. 
Um, you know, I still take them at their word when they say that they're still putting together the team, that they say, yes, we're still interested in making another AAA game. But obviously, you know, considering the circumstances <laughs> that evolved towards the end of the Phantom Pain's release, listen, they lost their biggest asset. They lost their, their director. They lost the creator, the founder. They lost a lot of the key staff members, although the majority is lost the, people, the right word, you know? <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, yeah, so yeah. from I know, a structural standpoint, they have to find a new director, a new person to, who's going to head all these things. And it's not like they don't have it. Um, although I'm not convinced that maybe those, the right people actually currently work at Konami right now. Um and you know what? Who's to say that Konami's also just made, waiting for the the right move and say, you know what? We don't think we can do this internally as a company anymore. So we're just re- waiting for the right business deal to happen if we were to license out this IP and let someone else take a stab at this. So who knows? If they do license it, I mean, that's going to open up the floodgates. Uh you know, for better or worse, we're going to see the 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 series just spread everywhere. And then, too, the blame, like, isn't on them as much, too. It's like, oh, that's, that's Blue Point's fault. Like, whoever the dev is, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... This is one of those things where I think when people... <sighs> the Final Fantasy VII remake is a good comparison because although... Do you remember, do you remember back when talk of the VII remake first came up it was um it was actually started by square at the time i can't remember if they were squaresoft then or if they were already square enix but um they said that when the playstation 2 came out they had plans to do i don't remember the terminology it was either a remake or a remastering or something for final fantasy 7 8 and 9 on the PlayStation 2. That was their plan was to go back and revisit those games on a better platform. Do you remember this? Uh yeah, sure. <laughs> it might just be me. I I I'm telling you I can go and find the old article. Um No, I think I do. I think yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, my starting point was when they had that I think it was like the preview of the uh PlayStation 3 back in what right, was it? Right, right. And they had that like clip of Cloud walking out um and Midgar and everybody was freaking out. And then, of course, we didn't get the actual game till like a decade later. But yeah, and that started with the PS2 because one of the tech demos shown off for the PlayStation 2 was the Squall Renoa dance scene uh, CG movie, like the FMV for that, but done in real time on a PS2. That was one of their tech demos. And then the conversation started where, yeah, we're looking at doing seven, eight and nine on the PS2. Um, but then the Final Fantasy movie happened and they lost a hundred million dollars. So that kind of put the kibosh on that. Uh, I mean, this is old history, but that that idea of a seven remake persisted. It persisted into the PS3 and then finally into the PS4. Um, so, I mean, even though Square started it, the the fan demand, you know, trying to, you know, put enough smoke out there to start a fire, ironically. Um, you know, I've, I've, I don't know how many times I've used that phrase, but um, that was the idea. You know, if you generate enough hype about something that doesn't exist, maybe it will manifest. And that is, I think, what's going on with the Metal Gear Solid remake is that people I think most of the reporting, most of the blogs doing this just want attention. But I also think there might be an element of, well, if we drive enough hype towards this idea, maybe Konami will will pick up the, you know, will grab the baton and run with it. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to work. I think <laughs> Konami is an old school Japan corporate, and Konami's going to do what Konami wants to do. They're very stubborn headed like Nintendo in that way. And I think Konami's, the way I picture it going down, honestly, is I think they're going to start development on whatever new Metal Gear thing it is. I, I don't want to call it Metal Gear 6, but whatever it is. And it'll eventually get leaked through the Japanese press. And then they'll make just a kind of surprise announcement. And they'll be like, yeah, we've been working on this for two, three years. It's, you know, it's about 
30% of the way through and we don't have a release date yet. And I think it's going to go down that way. And I don't think in, in, you know, the internet will explode, you know, a fan base, they'll just be like, Oh my gosh, you know, where do we, you know, and then let the speculation fly. But I don't think it's going to go any other way than that, because I think Konami just, they're going to do what they do. And they don't, yeah. as long as I have been covering this company, they have almost never fallen to pressure from fans the pressure from the media to anything. They literally just do whatever they do very much in the essence of Kojima. He, I mean, with the exception of maybe Melgar solid four, like Kojima always just did what he wanted to do. And he's still that way. And so I think the fan base and, and just people in general are going to sp- always speculate and they're always going to think, Oh, this is happening. This is happening. And it kind of sucks because like people like you and, you and me sit there and we're just like every time a new article comes up talking about, Oh yeah, you know, it, this is, it's already in the works guys. And it's being made by blue point. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and not just the metal gear solid remake, but silent Hills as well. Oh my God. For, for three years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, and they I only say stop. this because <laughs> I only say this because I've been like, gorging myself in this game lately but i wonder if there may be a, an approach similar to um the re2 remake where they build a game whether that's part of the metal gear ip or not they develop this technology or this or this tool that enables them to you know efficiently and, and successfully make like a stealth genre game or an action game sort of like the re engine with seven and then you know use that as a sort of a proof of concept for the remake that everybody demands. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, because I feel like Capcom is kind of an outlier here because a lot of Japanese development companies are starting to shift towards engine licensing rather than in-house development uh, for their engines. Mm-hmm. You know, used to, the, the common practice used to be you'd have a company and they would make a new game and they would develop an engine from scratch. And then most of the time they would just shove it in a closet and move on to the next game and make a whole nother engine from scratch. Um, which is, you know, you think about that today and it's insane. And Konami with Pro Evolution Soccer or whatever it's called now. What is, what, what's, what is it? What do they call it now? E-Football Winning 11. Ah, which is yeah. rolls okay, off the okay. Yeah, but sports ball, sports ball. So sports ball 2021. Um, they're currently using the Unreal Engine to develop it. So. Is that an indication that Konami is pivoting towards using tools to cut costs or cut development time? Because making an engine from scratch is going to be a, a more costly, more time-consuming endeavor than just saying, hey, let's get Unreal. Everybody already knows how to use it. We've got all these examples. We've got um, endless amounts of experience out there that we can draw from. Let's just use that to develop our games. I mean, is that what we're going to see? Is a Metal Gear someday made in Unreal? I mean, it makes sense from a business standpoint, right? But ultimately, I think if someone, whoever that person is going to be that's directing the game, I, I would expect them to have some at least some amount of technical prowess that they would make that call because, you know, Kojima, he could have used a license engine when he was working on the Phantom Pain or, to be frank, any of his games. But they just found it more efficient to do it internally. And so, I don't know. I I definitely think, I think because of the fact that these engines have become easier to use, um, they've become, actually seems like a little less expensive to license as well. I think, in fact, the Unreal Engine contract agreement seems very reasonable to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the fact that they also support they have a lot of support from third party third party softwares that work with their engine as well (laughs) gives them more incentive to actually opt in to use something like an you know unreal engine but i i don't know if that's always the case though because i think i would look at a company like square enix and they've been using what the crystallis engine for a lot of their newer stuff too haven't they 
No, that's they switched over to Unreal. In fact, a big part of why Final Fantasy 15 finally came out was that they they were struggling to develop the game. You know, I don't I don't remember if it was during or after it had stopped being versus and started being 15. But at some point, they stopped using that engine and pivoted over to Unreal. And the game was done much quicker. I mean, there's interviews talking about this. So mm, I see. You know, I didn't know they actually made that full switch. Yeah. Uh. And, you know, you look at Metal Gear and it's hard to tell in the past five years what's changed internally because it's, you know, they're a black box right now. We don't know what's going on on the inside, but they've always you know, been that way. <laughs> yeah. The last we know is that Yuji Korikado was essentially holding the reins, right? And he comes from an engineering background. So that's something to keep in mind moving forward. If he is still calling the shots, uh, you know, there's an engineer in charge of the series right now. So take that how you will. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think Konami will make, I think Konami lately has made a more business approach decision-wise to a lot of these decisions. Um, but I, I, again, I could see, I could actually see someone like the director coming in and saying, yeah, it, it does make business sense to use the Unreal Engine, but I also feel like we have the, the tools and the, the developers and the minds here to create our own in-house engine. You have to remember as well is Konami also has their own kind of internal university where they f- they farm up their own people to bring into the company. And so, you know, they feel very comfortable in their ability to do things internally. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. And I'll say this. It just blows my mind that there is not some sort of Metal Gear mobile gotcha already. Like, how is that not a thing? Yeah. Don't don't throw that into the universe, Nitroid. Just throw that pachinko on mobile. (laughs) Make it an acid game. <laughs> oh, I got to correct myself. Uh, it. I was thinking of Final Fantasy VII Remake being in Unreal. 15 is on the Luminous Engine. You're right. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. I got him confused. I could have swore I read an interview, though, about how they had to switch over and that somehow streamlined development. Um, no, how I, I knew know. that is because you played a shit game. ton of 15. Well, yeah, and that game has horrible <laughs> optimization. So I'm just like, yeah. really? That's Unreal Engine? Really? Uh, I was bound to get something wrong eventually. Now you got me thinking of the original um, Final Fantasy fourteen, where like the potted plants had more polygons than the actual characters. Oh god! <laughs> I remember that trying was, to run. I remember trying to run the benchmark for that uh, Final Fantasy fourteen 1.0, and I just remember it just melting my computer. <laughs> Man, okay, Leo <laughs> is the guy to talk to about Final Fantasy fourteen, and I still feel bad that I started playing and you gave me all of this stuff to get me started. And then I just stopped. That's all right. I knew you like, quit after two weeks. I feel That's like right. such a heel. I know I need to try it again, but I just like, I can't get over <laughs> that initial hump. I'm terrible with MMOs. Nitroid. And I'm, I'm not trying to define um, Leo's experience, but you like a friend of giving you like MMO resources that we expect you. There's like a 50, when we give you those resources as a noob, we expect, a 50% chance that you're going to quit in two weeks and not use any of it. Like <laughs> the inherent risk is there. I'm so ashamed. I, I thought it was <laughs> hilarious though. When I'm like, okay, join this server that I'm on. I'm like, here's our mansion. You have all these resources. <laughs> I'm like, here's 2 million gil. And I remember you just freaking out because I give you 2 million gil. And I'm just like, he has no idea how much gil I have on me. This is cute, but go ahead. Have fun. Nitro. <laughs> Was this um was this before they fixed like the housing situation? Uh, I feel like the Which housing situation's housing. always been messed <laughs> up. But I was lucky. I was very lucky to be able to nab a place when the, everything first launched. So it's like um it's like getting like real estate in San Francisco in the nineties. It's really bad. I feel so bad for new players that get into the game and they're like, oh, this is so great. It's so awesome. I want to buy a house. And it's just like, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about uh, this stuff. What did you, um, 
if you don't mind me asking, Nitroid, what did you play? Um. Did you even get to the jobs? Uh. <laughs> okay, I think that answers my question. I, I named my character Dingo Egret, though, and he had white hair. So I'm proud of that. Nice. Was he from Mars? Of course. <laughs> okay, good. I got a chocobo and I was like, well, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> they are doing that uh, voice panel right now. That voice uh, actor panel. It's starting right now. Yep. So was that live or pre-recorded? Are they taking questions? I thought it was pre-recorded. I, oh, okay. I thought it was pre-recorded. Yeah. Uh, well, then they okay, premiered so no the questions. video. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. I was thinking like, man, you know, Super Chat's going to be wild and it's just going to be people asking the actors to read stupid lines in character. Like, Mr. Clark, could you please say in your most serious voice possible, D's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's what cameo is for. Get that shit out of here. But to that point, one of the questions or like part of my motive in terms of like actually having good questions if we have these these guests is the con circuit and dealing with so many situations where like people wait in line for like 50 minutes to a ask a question and it's always like a shitty question like in the warcraft panels like somebody will come up wait for 50 minutes to get in line and be like hey i'm from this guild when are you guys gonna increase the bag limit like just just <laughs> wasting everyone's time and i don't want to be that guy do you think that they miss the con circuit as much as the con goers yeah, that's what pays I'm their sure bills. They miss the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure they miss those fat. Paychecks. All right, maybe I should have thought that question out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, a hater came here to my city, and he came to the local con here, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll go, I'll go visit David." And then I saw how much he was charging for a photograph and an uh, autograph. I was just like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm a mega fan, but I'm still just like, yeah, I'm good." <laughs> yeah. Wonder how much he charges for a voicemail. I'm sure he's done like a billion of those. All I know is I've been conned on Cameo. Okay. I tried to get Otacon to say some stuff and he sent me a very actually polite reply back, but then he sent me my money back and he was like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> All right. What, what did scammed. you send him? It makes I was me wonder. <laughs> I was scammed. Huh? What did you? It makes me wonder what you wanted him to say. Oh, I just wanted. <laughs> I just wanted Do you want us to, to cut this? I, I, no, no. I just wanted him to admit everything that he did in the Phantom Pain. And he was just like, no, I refuse to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave me this long kind of like passionate, passionate message about like, that wouldn't have been the, like, Kojima would not be okay with me saying this. And, <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, it's, it's more, I'm just doing it more for a joke. And, you know, I'm going to send this to a friend of mine. It'll totally trigger him. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> but he was just like, no, I refuse to say this. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. For a second there, I, I thought that you were like, he, like when you said that he would refuse to say it, I wasn't even thinking about the Kojima angle. I was thinking that he was legitimately like trying to defend Huey. Which, in my mind, is hilarious. That's a bridge but... too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Huey did nothing wrong. I would have paid $100 for that. I literally wrote him a script of what to say. Like, yes, yeah, Snake, it was my fault. I did everything. The, the nuclear inspection was my fault. I knew what was happening. Like, all, And he was just like, no, I'm not saying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, God. I well, wish you'd been able to do that. I know. There, uh, there is a lot of, like, Metal Gear internet stuff, non-impactful Metal Gear stuff happening this week. Um, there's the voice actor panel, and then I know, um, I actually have it on behind me. OHN is doing their, like, three to five day Metal Gear run, where they just kind of go through the series. And that's been pretty fun so far. I think that, and, uh, you know, this is just speculation, but I think that the whole GameStop stock situation came in there. Um, because I saw two things while I've been watching today. First and foremost, I used the, the Dodge coin that we all got last night. And uh, I don't know if people are aware of this, but when Three Dog and crew stream Metal Gear Solid 1, they have a donation initiative where you can donate towards killing Meryl. 
or <laughs> saving her life. Like everybody knows what the canon is, but you know, this is this really gets engagement with the fans. Um, I put the money I got, well, some of the money I got from Dodgecoin last night to save Meryl. Um, and then usually it gets around, you know, like a hundred and some change, but somebody dropped like a thousand and one dollars to get Meryl killed. And I'm starting to wonder. Holy if, shit. Yeah, people were freaking the fuck out. And like, spoiler alert, she didn't make it. <laughs> but um, but I was wondering if, you know, maybe it was some fortunate Wall Street bet user who was spreading the wealth, I guess. And then later on that day, um, when the GameStop stock was going down, uh, somebody also made a donation, like right before you know, three dog was going to make his decision with Meryl, but it didn't say any decision. All it said was don't sell, don't sell, don't sell. And three dog was like, um, well, I'm not going to put that in either bucket, but thank you for the donation. (laughs) (laughs) It's been like really weird experience overall, but if anybody, well, it's going to be over by the time we, we release this, but still follow the outer heaven network. They always have this type of shit going on and hopefully we can get them on here. Yeah, that'd be fun. So Leo, when are you going to have a Metal Gear marathon? Dude, I could not do what those guys do. I could not stay up for like 35 hours and stream. Furthermore, furthermore, when are you going to stream MGS2 on European Extreme? I already did it, man. Do it. You weren't there no, for it. No, because I yeah, wasn't there for it, so it. it doesn't count. Oh, it happened. I was there. It happened. I did it. I don't believe you. What's, you're a bad friend, Nitro. Even I was there. Hurts. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was fun. It was actually really sad to have finally done it because it was such a yeah, it was such a meme in our Discord, and everyone was always just like, you know, everyone always makes fun of me because I don't play the games on European Extreme like on the regular, and I'm always just like, I get you guys love it because everyone watches OHN and people like the speedrunners and all that stuff. I'm just like. I promise you, I just like playing these games for fun. So <laughs> I play on normal just so I can get through it. And I don't wow. have to be that guy who's constantly failing on stream. And who wants to watch someone who's constantly causing an alert or something like that. So it, when I finally did it, it was kind of like very anticlimactic. <laughs> just like, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. Raise was kind of tough. Vamp was easy because I used I used the speedrunner strat. I used the when I fought the Tengus, I used the the door hack. I got through that, and then the second Tengu fight, I just used the the speedrunner uh, tactic on that. So it was just kind of very anticlimactic. But then there the, people weren't satisfied with that, so I did MGS three European Extreme, um, and then I didn't I didn't do four, and I think I played one on the highest difficulty, but yeah, I, it was, I, I would actually kind of wish I never did it because I enjoyed the meme. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you make it up to me, but you got to stream alien isolation. Ooh, dude, I don't like scary. Games. I dare you. <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I'm, that's uh, why I'm saying you should do it because nah, my I, favorite <laughs> clip is still you playing the resident evil three demo oh and God. getting a fucking haymaker from nemesis. <laughs> dude seriously like resident evil 2 gave me multiple heart attacks man like that I, I was actually i was gonna bring that up like i'm the same way with resident evil like i'm a huge fiend i try to unlock everything but it, when it comes to a casual playthrough i'm doing first run standard mode like i'm going to enjoy myself um sorry go ahead and continue i love those games those games especially resident evil 2 i thought just looked absolutely amazing um, but that game literally like <laughs> it literally gave me so many. And then what was funny about my run when I did it is that everyone's like, you should install the DMX mod for that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did it and it ended up, it, it kind of made it not as kind of scary or whatever, but it was still just like, I, th- there's a clip. I still have the clip somewhere when, when he burst through the wall, Mr. X. I, I literally like almost dropped the controller. <laughs> I, was like, I was just, it was just, yeah, that, those games are, yeah. Yeah. I just wish they hadn't screwed up three. Yeah. That was. Did you, did you play Resident Evil 7, though, the VR? Yeah. 
and that is like oh, God. seven in VR, man, is like okay. Seven has like the typical Resident Evil problem of like falling apart in the third act. Yep. Like they just can't stick the landing on these games. And but that first third of the game, when you're in like the house, it was scary. Is phenomenal. Yeah. That was back to like horror time. Yeah. As a whole, that game I would rate like unironically like a seven out of ten. But with VR, it's it's like nine point five out of ten because it just elevates it that much. It was terrifying. I was sweating the whole time. Like I waited to play seven until I had PSVR. So like I'm really disappointed that eight doesn't have support for that because that looks like a game that would be amazing in VR and just, you know, it's not going to happen. Just just take your head and get straight up into those Lady D pillows. Right. right. Sorry. <laughs> God, that got memed so fast. I was hoping that they would have at least some kind of VR support or maybe even cross-platform VR support because that is the one thing I am envious of as a PC VR player is that you guys got uh, RE7. Yeah, didn't Sony pay like a million dollars for exclusivity on the VR uh, option? Something crazy like that? I don't know, but I believe it. Nothing for eight. And to the point of, like, the whole third act, um, I did see somewhere where, like, they had the map of that village, and somebody was like, okay, circle where you think the sterile lab is going to be in Act 3. <laughs> you guys know way more about the series than I do. <laughs> if you've played one, you've played them all. I hate to say that. They're all good in their own ways, except for except for six. Six is yeah, terrible. Well let me ask you guys a question since you guys are obviously familiar with the series. Do you, are, do you guys like the direction they're taking now where everything's in first person then rather than third person? Mm, I don't think it'll last. I saw a clip the other day where they, they put, I think it was seven in third person view. I guess it was just some mod or something. And I was watching them play it and I don't know. It, it, I think that game itself might be better in first person, but I do miss old school third person Resident Evil. Just not yeah. what they did with six. <laughs> Days, you might be able to answer this, but wasn't there a comment somewhere about how they're doing these in like threes almost like the first three was one style of gameplay. And, you know, this is sort of like retroactively applying their their line of thought to this. So, like, I don't believe this was pre like this was sort of a preconceived notion, but. Like one through three is one style of game where you have the tank controls uh, on pre-rendered backgrounds. And then four through six is your third person shooter type. And then seven mm -hmm. through nine is assumedly going to be first person shooter. And then 10 would then be something else. Like I, I remember reading something about like that was their plan was to structure I've, it like I've that. I've read theories. Yeah, I've read theories about that too. Both like there's both sort of like a, a technical but also thematical change every like three games. Um, I've also heard like a theory that, oh, you know, Capcom just they make they make a they make a hit and then it just kind of goes downhill for two games and they come back up. Yeah. And that makes um, more sense. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you do kind of see that pattern, though, right? Where yeah. it's like action. And and as for for Leo's question regarding, um, you know, switching on to that first person, I mean, if 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 they as long as they sort of take advantage of the medium, and I think they did very well with that with Resident Evil 7, um, you know, I, I don't mind it at all. It's it's definitely not my preference in terms of, you know, the series. I, I still think, like, I fucking love the, the remake, and that really made me love the third person over-the-shoulder controls, some a little bit even more than, than four in a way. Um, but again, like, as long as they're able to effectively um convey whatever they want to convey with that perspective you know I, I don't mind just just make it good no yeah no that's interesting because yeah I, I don't know why that was the first thing i thought of when i saw the the new demo or i saw footage of the new demo as i was like oh yeah they're still doing the 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 first person style and and part of me was wondering was it are they doing this because of the some of the flack that Resident Evil 3 got, and I thought, well, probably not. They probably already had this way planned ahead, so, yeah. Yeah, well, there was a rumor about 3 that there was um, development on... on. Okay, now this is going out of the rumor mill, and, it's God, it's probably not even true. Um, 
but the uh the talk was that there is work on a four remake and there is some sort of internal debate over uh the direction it was taking because m2 uh was working on the four remake the, you know the the capcom b team that worked on resident evil 3 and because of the backlash now there's there's sort of a reconsideration of like the direction they were taking. And, you know, they're aware that three was not received warmly, though. It seems like the reason they think it wasn't received warmly was because it wasn't a one-to-one remake. And that's not the problem with three. No, (laughs) that's not it. (laughs) Um, I mean, it would have been nice. Like it wasn't the fact that it was not one-to-one. It was the fact that it was, it was like a fraction. Like it did not include the things that we kind of take like resident evil two, because we can, because it, it, it evokes sort of the same like reaction or the, it, it, it enhances some of the qualities that we love about the original game. We love it. Whereas three, it just felt like a, it felt like a, it felt like a spark notes of resident yeah, evil three. That's a great way graphics. to put it. Yeah. Two oh, hit credit them. where credits do. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, two hit the major beats that you expect to see. You know, it's got the lab, it's got the crocodile. Right. Um, and and they still omitted certain things, like they didn't have the spiders, they didn't have the moths, um, and, you know... And, like, the whole B-run thing doesn't really, like, make sense. Right, there's no zapping system, things like that. But you don't really feel like you missed it too much because the rest of it's structured so well. It's a great time. Three... Right it's just you're you're in and you're out so quick that you barely even have time to process the game and then the things that are there weren't taken advantage of nemesis exists in that game for like what like an hour tops and he's just there as a set piece for the most part he doesn't really stalk mm-hmm. you you know they turn he goes dog mode you know like like two hours in pretty fast yeah yeah i will give credit where credit's due though the one thing i think they did approve on Improve on is Carlos. Oh my god! I I literally replay that game just to watch that man. It's, and funny enough, his part it, of the game, the the hospital, is the best part of Resident Evil Three. Yeah, uh, and I I think you know I I wish that Jill was the one that went through RPD, but I loved his commentary and I loved his hair. Like this is a weird fucking door. Uh, yeah, this is a weird fucking door. Um, I think the voice actor actually voices Chris in Eight, so I've heard. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I wish they'd just bring Carlos back. God, he was so, like, good Settle to Settle down at. now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like everybody's talking about this, like, vampire lady, and I, I can't, like, I can't fault them because I've been attracted to Resident Evil characters, too. Man, they know how to make memeable bosses. Yeah. Yeah. That event, I mean, let's 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 call a spade a spade. Like, that lady's gonna turn into, like, a gross amalgamation of tentacles which you know some people's some people that's want that's just going to but... make it worse <laughs> <laughs> leo uh where can people find you online what are you doing these days help people kind of know if they want to follow your content where they should look honestly the really the 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 place where everyone finds me is i run the uh, mgn account on twitter so it's mgs or at MGS MGN. So yeah, it's one of the largest Metal Gear Twitter accounts. And um yeah, I just keep it strictly Metal Gear. I, I'll I'll post some Kojima related stuff every now and then. Um but that's where I'm most active. Um the website, I'll be honest with you, unless it's something that's really interesting regarding the series. Metal Gear or like if actual Metal Gear news comes out I don't typically update the website as much anymore um, just because I don't want to go down the route of I'm just going to post whatever Kojima's doing on there because I'm actually not interested in, in covering that anymore I'm just strictly kind of Metal Gear so um, I just try to be active I try to keep the community active within my Twitter account and yeah just for you know lifelong fan that's where I'm most active, though. Cool. Did you uh? Did you want to plug your stream too? Because I know I I peruse there a few times myself. Uh, sure. Uh, just it it it's not re- <laughs> even though I associate it with my Metal Gear account. Mostly we can we can cut of, this if you don't want to. 
mostly. Yeah, no pressure. No, mostly to scamaz people to come into my stream, you know. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I stream. I I typically stream like five days a week. I try to this week. I just didn't stream at all because work has just had kept me so busy. Um, but yeah, I stream twitch.tv forward slash Sydney S E. And yeah, I'm I stream variety. Now, granted, I do stream a lot of Metal Gear <laughs> still because that it used to be like a Metal Gear only channel. Um, but now I just stream variety stuff. So I it, who knows what I'll be streaming on there, but I do still stream quite a bit of Metal Gear on there. So, yeah. Awesome. Sweet, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much, man. I've, I've known you for yeah. so long, and it was uh, just a, a real privilege to have you on, man. Thank you. Yeah, dude. It's, it's been fun to watch you guys' success with this thing. It's it's, it's awesome. So Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. No problem.